You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Okay, let me just give you a little bit of a recap on uh, what we've been going through as a series. We've been looking at the, the, the book of First Samuel in the Old Testament, and uh, we've been looking at how God wants us to be after his heart. And last week we saw that Saul... Uh, was a man who was chosen to be the king of Israel. Israel had asked God for a... They demanded a king, I should say. And God had seen it as a rejection of him him, because uh, he was to be the, the king of Israel, really. And uh, yet he reluctantly uh, gave Israel uh, a king. They wanted to be like the nations instead of being a light to the nations. And so we saw uh, last week Saul was anointed as king. And now in this story today, we're going to see that he's actually appointed as the king. So chapter 10 and uh, verse 25, we're going to read a few verses together. Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellow said, How can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. We're going to read on in a little while, see what else happens in this story. I've called this morning's message The Privilege and Price of Responsibility. There's no doubt at this time things are looking kind of okay for Israel. Yes, they had demanded a king and had rejected God, but Saul was was kind of a good guy. We saw some good qualities in Saul last week. We saw also some things that would, uh, um, would not be so good and actually would have eventually uh, led to his downfall that we'll read about in the, the coming weeks. Um, but the nation had big promises over it, big uh, prophetic promises that they were going to be a light to the, to the nations, as I'd said, that they were going to be a blessing to the whole world. And Saul was, as I said, he had some good qualities about him. Saul was given a huge responsibility He was given the responsibility of being the first king over Israel. A whole line of judges had come to an end, and Saul was now king over all of Israel. And I want to say this morning that that responsibility is a privilege. It's a privilege. I wonder if you consider responsibility in that way. Is it seen as a positive thing, or is it seen as something to be avoided? Is, Is responsibility something we'd rather leave to someone else? Or something we'd embrace and say, okay, through this I can make the best of what responsibility I've been given for God's glory. And a huge responsibility had been uh, bestowed upon Saul. On God's behalf, he was now stewarding a whole nation, millions of people he was now in charge of. The point I want to hammer home this morning is that responsibility is a way that God honors us. Responsibility is a privilege. It's a way that God shows us honor. He honored Adam and Eve at the outset of humanity, at the creation of humanity. He honored them by giving them responsibility to go and fill the world, to have dominion over the fish and the birds and every living creature. God's basically said, look, I've created all of this. You're in charge now. Go. He'd given them a lot of responsibility. He'd honored them with responsibility. We can sometimes try and avoid responsibility at all costs. We've been trained from a young age to when we're in primary school and the teacher says, who would like to demonstrate this point or who would like to do this project? And we've been trained to at all costs avoid eye contact with the teacher. I'm going to just look at the desk. I'm going to look at the floor. I don't want to make eye contact here because I don't want to be chosen to have the responsibility for this task. 
Or it might be that we've uh, perfected a way of sounding quite spiritual as we are avoiding responsibility. So we might get asked to do something in church and we say, uh, one hour a month, I'll pray about that. I'll pray about that. Let me, let me give some real deep thought to praying about that responsibility. We can find ways of ducking out of things uh, in order to avoid responsibility. But what I want to say this morning is that God wants to honor us with responsibility. Like a father who entrusts his children uh, with things. Uh, so yesterday, uh, driving to the petrol station, I have to go and pay for the petrol, had to leave my kids in the car. I don't even know if that's what you should do, but that's what I did. And uh, I, I said to my, one of my oldest daughters, I said, right, you're in charge. I want to know what's happened when I get back. Make sure that everything is calm. That's all I wanted to know. And, and I got the report when I got back in the car about what the little brother had been up to. God loves to give his children responsibility. It's a privilege. Firstly, he wants us to have responsibility for ourselves. He wants us to lead ourselves well. He's given us responsibility to lead ourselves well. Some of you here, you may have had quite a broken background and you have never been taught that actually you are responsible for yourself. And you might uh, lean on others so heavily that you feel that they are in some way responsible for you. And when things are going wrong, you might almost blame them. Well, why is this going on in my life? This is your fault. Well, actually, God wants us to lead ourselves. That's our first responsibility, is to lead ourselves well, to make wise choices, to, as we've been hearing in this series, to go after God's heart. It says in Galatians 6, um, Paul says kind of two fairly, sounds quite conflicting what he says. Firstly, he says, uh, he encourages the people in Galatia to bear one, another, one another's burdens. Okay, He says, bear one another's burdens. But then three verses after that, he says, but each one must bear his own load. The way this works is that we are to each take responsibility for ourselves, but also seek to bear the burdens of others. That primarily we are to make sure that we are leading ourselves well, that we are following after God, that we are faithful in what he has given us to do. But then with that, to take responsibility or to bear the loads of others as well. And the pattern that we see in the Bible is as we are faithful in stewarding what God has given us, that actually he will reward us with more responsibility. That's the way that God rewards faithful stewardship. It says in Luke chapter 16, Jesus says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So God's reward for good stewardship of the things that he's given us to look after is more responsibility. Last week we saw that in Saul's life, didn't we? He had been given the responsibility to go and find his dad's donkeys. That was the job that he had to do, and as we heard from Tim last week, he had many an opportunity to duck out of that. After a couple of days, he could have said, I think I've done my duty. I think I've, I've searched, as, searched as much as I can for these donkeys. I'm going to give up there. But no, even though it could have been very easy and, in fact, understandable to have given up on that, he went on and on uh, in search of these donkeys. We saw that Saul was responsible in the little things. He was responsible, and we're going to see this in King David's life as well. King David is probably the main character in, um, in this uh, book of 1 Samuel. And in fact, it's said of King David that he was a man after God's heart. That's why we called this series After God's Heart. 
And King David was, in a similar way, responsible with things that seemingly seemed insignificant. So he was charged with looking after his father's sheep. He was the one who had to just make sure that any bears or wolves or lions or anything that approached the sheep, he would have to deal with them. And then we see that then God entrusted him with a whole nation. So in the secret place where no one was watching him, where it could have been very easy to lay down his uh, responsibility and say, oh, you know, I got overrun by a pack of wolves, I had to, all the sheep ended up dying, or whatever. He could, have just, he could have just been lazy with it. But no, he was faithful with what he had been given to do. And he pursued God's heart in that secret place. He spent time with God. He cultivated that heart that was after God. He wrote many of the songs that we read in the Psalms. He learned God's ways in that secret place. And then God sometime down the line, entrusts him with leading a whole nation. And he's entrusted with, with leading a nation in great victories as well. Responsibility is a privilege. It's not something to shy away from. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to pray this. God, would you give me more responsibility? That is a good thing. That might really, you might be thinking, I, I can recognize in my life where I've ducked away from responsibility. I can recognize in my life where again and again I've said, I'm going to do all I can not to do something that's going to be hard work or not to do something that might make me look stupid or not to do something that uh, people might be let down by me in it. But actually, it's a good thing to pray, God, give me more responsibility. That's a good prayer to pray. Why? It's so that in what we steward, in what we do with the responsibility God has given us, we might glorify him. And the more he gives us, And the more we faithfully attend to those responsibilities he's given us, the more he's glorified. The more he is shown to look to be all that he is, amazing, glorious. God is willing for us to carry more responsibility. He's actually, as I've said in previous weeks, God is ambitious for us. He's ambitious for us to grow from saplings to mighty oaks. That's what uh, it talks about in the scriptures, that the righteous will be like mighty oaks that will provide shelter for others. That's what God's ambition is for you, to grow from a sapling. And you may feel like a sapling right now. You may feel like an insignificant uh, piece of green shoot that just happens to be popping out of the ground. No, God's ambition is for you to grow and to take uh, root in him and to put your roots down deep in him so that you might grow to be a mighty oak that would be a shelter for others, that would be uh, a, a service to others. This is a God's ambition for you. His ambition for you is that you would take on more responsibility. This is what God has for us. It's a privilege. So in family life, in business, in the church, he is seeking those who might faithfully steward what he has given us to steward for his glory. So if you're a parent, God has honored you with that responsibility. He's honored you with a responsibility to raise your children in God's ways, to find ways where your children can be exposed to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus that we've been celebrating this morning. I want to ask you this morning, are you seeking out those opportunities Are you seeking out opportunities where your children can hear the good news of Jesus? They hear it every week, but there also are certain contexts where they will hear it in a real powerful way. Parents of youth here, are you you saving up? Are you ensuring your children will go to New Day? It's so important to, to, to get them there so they can hear the gospel preached. Thousands of teenagers there. God's meeting with them powerfully when they go to it. Are you making sure my children are exposed to the gospel? You're raising your children in God's ways. Husbands and fathers here, God has given you a particular charge to lovingly lead your family and to serve them like Christ 
serve the church by laying his life down for them. It's not to say that it's not a mother's responsibility to lead her children. It absolutely is. But husbands, we have a, a special charge from God. I believe that from the scriptures. We have a special charge from God to, to serve our family, to pray for our families, to, to get them to church, to bring them here, to bring them to, to celebrate Jesus together. Don't, uh, don't look to get out of that responsibility. Take hold of that responsibility. Rise to it. God is, is passionate that we're leading, husbands, that we're leading our families to Jesus. That when we face a crisis as a family, that we're saying, we're going to go to Jesus on this. Don't be slopey shouldered with your responsibility. It's a phrase we used to use a lot when I was a social worker. So-and-so is a bit slopey shouldered today. When there would be some, something that they, they probably did know that they had to do, they'd be slopey shouldered and say, well, I didn't know it was my responsibility. I didn't know. It's very clear in the scriptures we're to, to lead and serve our families, men. Let's take on the responsibilities. Let's, let's see that as a privilege. Let's not seek to get out of it somehow and say, I didn't know it was my job. I thought it was the kids' workers' job. I thought it was the kids' workers' job to talk to my kids about Jesus. No, it's our job, parents. It's our job, particularly as husbands, to lead our families. In your work, you might think, you know, it's my hard work and my initiative that got me the job that I have. You might think it was because it was I put that shift in and that got me the promotion that I, that, uh, that I now have enjoyed. Or I, I put in that good application and, uh, and that's what got me the job. No, God provided you with the job. That, you need to understand that. Yes, we work hard, we, but God is the one who's provided you with the job. He's the one who opens and shuts the doors. And so in your job, it's a God-given responsibility. God has given you that responsibility. And it might be a job you don't like very much. By all means, pray for change and seek change. But God has given you that responsibility. And it might be that in your role, your manager or your, 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 senior, uh, your seniors in the company have given you jobs that are quite mundane. Let's seek to, to undertake our responsibilities as if Jesus had asked us to do it. If, if we consider that if it, if it was Jesus himself who's asking us to do this thing, then we'd do it with all our hearts. That we'd do it understanding that responsibility is a privilege. If we're faithful with the little, he'll give us more responsibility in his good timing. In the church, I really believe that God wants to give many responsibility. I really believe that God wants to honor many of us with responsibility. I'm really grateful that we have a, a fantastic team of elders in this church. This week, I found myself on a number of occasions thanking God for the men that I serve with on this team. I really, you need to thank God for them as well. You really do. And yet, we cannot do this on our own. <laughs> we really can't. If it was just the five of us carrying responsibility in this church, it would be rubbish. <laughs> it really would. We need many, many more to run with us and say, we want to shoulder some of the responsibility. We want to shoulder responsibility. We want to take hold of some things and run with it. We cannot do it on our own. We need many to say, I will stand up and be counted. In life groups that we've been uh, speaking about even this morning, we are inviting people to say, I want to take responsibility. I want to take responsibility to see uh, genuine community uh, nurtured here. I want to take responsibility to see people growing in their faith or growing even towards faith. Many of our life groups have people uh, coming along to them who don't know Jesus. 
That's such an exciting privilege, isn't it? Exciting responsibility to say, I want to be a part of that person's journey towards faith. So we're inviting you, even in this, to say, I'm going to take responsibility. As we have a month or a few weeks left to say, uh, if you'd like to lead a life group or not, please let me encourage you to take responsibility. Don't duck out of this. Let's ask God for more to carry. Maybe you're uh, discounting yourself already from this. Maybe even in other things in the church, you're discounting yourself as well. And you're saying, I, I cannot, because of everything I've done or because of this issue in my life, I cannot take responsibility. You need to align yourself with the truth in God's word that e- to, to everyone, the, the gifts of the Spirit is given. To every, different, every Christian, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given. Everybody is able to contribute to this body. Everyone is able to contribute something. Align yourself with the truth in this word. God has things for you to do, things for you to carry. Faithfully lead yourself well. Go after God's heart. Ask for more responsibility. Let me encourage each one of you to do that this week. Say, God, I want to give myself to you. I want to to lead myself well. I want to make wise choices. But Lord, would you give me more responsibility? Responsibility is a privilege but as we're going to see in a moment, it comes with a price. I don't know if you can recall the first week of your job. Uh, maybe you have some embarrassing stories to tell. I was reading this week some really cringeworthy stories of people who had experienced really embarrassing things in their first week of their job. But I don't think any of them could top my brother's experience. Uh, in his first job at a budgeon supermarket, in his first week, he was asked to, to, to pull a crate of goods from the storeroom to the shop floor. And he was so eager to do it, he was pulling it so fast that it tipped over and it smashed the entire meat and cheese counter, causing thousands of pounds worth of damage. The whole thing, it was, it was as long as this stage, if not longer, and the whole thing shattered because this cage had fallen on top of it. And for three years after that day, he was known as Deli Boy by the whole staff team. I don't think it could have got much worse than that. But even though that was terrible, I don't think that was as tough a first week as Saul's. If we read on in, in chapter 11, this is Saul's, seemingly Saul's first week as king, because we just see that he's been uh, appointed as king. And then straight away it says, in, verse, in chapter 11, Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people and all the people wept aloud. Bad guys don't come much worse than Nahash. The people of Jabesh have said, please spare us. Nahash, and we will serve you. And he says, okay, you can serve me, but only if you let me gouge out your right eye. What a nice guy. This was so that they could never be a threat to him in battle because they wouldn't be uh, much used to an army with only one eye. Unsurprisingly, they don't like this idea very much. 
and they asked for some time to get help. And this just shows how arrogant Nahash is. He's so arrogant, he's like, yeah, okay, you can have as long as you need. Go and fetch an army because no one's going to be able to take me on. No one is going to defeat Nahash. So the messengers, they come to Saul. This is his first week as king. He's not even left his, own, his old life behind yet because in the next verse we see he's just doing some work in the field. And then suddenly he's got a big fight on his hands. Talk about a tough first week. Talk about a horrible first week. First week as king, and he's got to take on a horrible enemy in Nahash. With responsibility always comes, always comes resistance. It's true of being a father. It's true in the workplace. It's true in the church. When we say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to steward what God has given me to do well, there will come resistance. When we say, I'm going to go after God's heart and I'm going to seek to serve him. And as I step up and take a stand with the elders of this church, I'm going to take this church, I'm going to take up responsibility here. All of these kinds of things. As we do it, it's like we've just put a target on our backs. It's like we've just stepped out of the trenches. We are going to face opposition. This week, friends, I want to tell you this because you need to know this. I have faced genuine fear this week. I have faced times this week when I have been really fearful. And I've had a choice, I've had a moment in that, in that, in that, in that situation, I've had a, a choice to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you and know that if you're with me, I don't need to fear anything, or I've got a choice to run to some other things to try and forget about the problem. I've got a choice there. Thank God in this, this week I've said, God, I trust in you. I, I, this is not easy, but I'm going to trust in you. God is with us. He's with us, but with responsibility comes resistance. Saul is facing Nahash, but it might as well be the devil. It might as well be the devil, the way he's acting. He's a a horrible guy. We have an enemy who will will seek to oppose us. He'll seek to distract us. He'll seek to intimidate us. He'll seek to take us off course with what God has given us to do. You might know some very clear things that God has called you to do. And right now you might be running because you've been, you're fearful of what might come if you step up into that responsibility. Maybe you've already experienced some intimidation. Maybe you've already experienced some distraction. And you think, I've, got distra- I've got thrown off course here. Come back to God and say, God, with you, all things are possible. I, can, I, I do not need to fear because God is with me. This could have happened for Saul, right? He had the means to run away. He, he had the riches to say, okay, let's get some chariots. Let's get out of this country right now. I'm not going to, Jabesh, they can wait. They, they, they're just, just going to have to fend for themselves. I'm not going to do this. He had the means to run, but he didn't. The greater responsibility we take on, the greater resistance we'll face. As Mike Betts has told me on a number of occasions, the greater the levels, the greater the devils. When we ask God for more responsibility, we're stepping into a war zone. And this morning, I just want to to call us up into that. You might be thinking, well, that's not a very sensible course of action. We're very safety first, aren't we, in this this country? We we like health and safety. Maybe you work in health and safety and you have to tick uh, tick some ridiculous things every time you want to so much as sharpen a pencil. You have to think, I've got to fill out a risk assessment form. We're so safety conscious in this country, and mostly for good reasons, I think. But, but most of the time, we, we think we're going to make big choices in our lives based on what will be most secure for us. And this morning, I want to say there's going to come a time when we're no longer in our war zone. There's going to come a time when we're no longer uh, in battle. But until that day, there are thousands of people in, in our town and, th- and millions of people in our nation and in the nations that don't know Jesus. And we have to step up for them. 
We have to step up and say, I'm going to take the message to them. As a church, we're going to take the message to this town. We're going to take responsibility for our town. Because God has a plan for us. He wants us to take his gospel to the nations. So we can't just say, well, it's probably going to be easier if I just sit in the trench and don't take responsibility. It's going to be easier if I, if I go safety first. It's the Spirit of God who's going to help us as we take this message to this town and to the nations. We see, as we read on now, Behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and he sent them through all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow, we will give ourselves up to you. This is to Nahash. And you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day, Saul put the people in three companies. And they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. They had victory. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul and he was led to action. The Holy Spirit came upon Saul and he was led to do something. He was led to actually be angry and that might surprise you. Because you might think all anger is wrong. No, anger is, is good. It's a good thing. God, is, God gets angry. That's okay. But we've twisted it through sin and so anger so often is a distortion of good anger. I read a tweet this morning. It says all anger is righteous. The problem is 95% of it is self-righteous. Anger is a good thing. It's good to get angry about the plight of our world. It's good to allow that anger to cause us to pray. It's good to allow that anger. You might be getting angry every time you watch the news thinking... What on earth is going on here? Well, let that anger rise within you to cause you to pray and to act. And the Spirit comes upon Saul and he's angry. This happened to Jesus. Jesus was on on, on one day so gentle that children had no qualms with coming and sitting with him and playing with him and talking with him. And on another day, he was deeply troubled when his friend Lazarus died. That's such a British phrase, isn't it? I'm so deeply troubled right now. He was furious that his friend Lazarus had died, and it led him to raise his friend to life. On another day, he sees that the temple is being uh, used as a place where people are uh, making money, and he, he, in his anger, you must understand this, he takes the time to make a whip. This isn't just kind of him flipping out here and losing it. No, he's considered what he's going to do here. He's so angry, he makes a whip and he drives the people out of the temple. He throws the tables over. And he says, the zeal, of the, the zeal for the house of the Lord has consumed me. He's zealous for God. And it led him to action. It's okay to be angry about some things. It's okay to say, I'm going to do something about this. 
Let me encourage you. If there's things that you see happening, you think, I've got to do something about that. Let that rise within you and do something about it. There's that famous phrase, isn't it, where someone said, I always thought to myself, someone should do something about that. Then I realized I was someone. If, you, if there's something rising within you for a, a certain cause, or it might be that you even think, I want to lead a life group. I want to lead a group that will serve this type of people. Do it. Do it. Put your proposal in. The Spirit comes upon Saul and he gets angry. He resolves to fix the issue. He cuts up some cows and he, and he, he says to the people of Israel, this is going to happen to your cows if you don't come with me. Now let me tell you, that's not the best way to get people along to your life group, okay? Don't go all mafia on people and start sending them pieces of dead animal. No. <laughs> Allow the, your passion and, and zeal to rub off on others as you share with them your dream. Say, this, come with me in this. Come with me in this. Allow God to show you what he wants you to do. And spend time with people and get people to pray with you. Let vision burn within you. Take your people on an adventure. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. The Holy Spirit comes to empower us for action. We love the Holy Spirit's presence in our meetings. We love we love it when he, he comes and touches our hearts and heals us and points us to Jesus and is tender with us. But all of this, all of this, friends, is so that we might be better equipped to be witnesses. All of this is to be uh, changing us to be more and more like Jesus so that we might be witnesses. We absolutely love the Holy Spirit and all he does, but he wants us to be his witnesses. Let's just see how this ends, shall we? The people said to Samuel, who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we, may be, that we may put them to death. Do you recall at the right of the outset there were some people who doubted was Saul the right guy? But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. And then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. The people celebrate and then they move to crush those who had doubted Saul. But Saul says, no, salvation has come to Israel. You know, there is a greater Saul. There was, a one, there was one greater than Saul who has crushed an enemy greater than Nahash. Who has crushed Satan himself. Who has crushed sin and death itself. Jesus Christ who when the enemy didn't see him coming, just as Nahash didn't see Saul and the armies of Israel coming in the middle of the day, in the middle of the day, Jesus Christ hung on the cross and the enemy didn't see this coming. This was actually leading to the devil's defeat. At the time when the devil thought he had won, when Nahash thought he had won, he thought that the people of Israel were going to surrender themselves to him. The devil thought he had won, but Jesus Christ, in the middle of the day, laid his life down for the salvation, not just of Israel, but of the whole world. So that all of us could enter in to God's people. So that all of us could know forgiveness and know victory. This is Jesus. He is the greatest Saul. He's the one who the Spirit came upon him. And he lived a life of righteousness and ultimately laid down his life for us. This is Jesus who we celebrate this morning. And I, I want to call you to, to stand with me this morning. If you, in light of Jesus' victory, are willing to say, I am going to take responsibility for my own life. I'm going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to make sure that I'm leading myself well. If you're going to take responsibility 
for others and say, I'm going to lead others. I'm going to take responsibility in my family. I'm going to take responsibility in my business, in my church. I'm going to, I'm going to carry some things for God here. I'm going to steward some things on God's behalf. If you're going to do that this morning, if you're willing to stand uh, and say, Jesus, I am going to take your kingdom, I'm going to see your kingdom advance, then I want, you to, I want to invite you to stand with me now. Let's do that now. If you, if you don't want to, that's fine. But if you're saying, this morning, I am going to take responsibility. I'm going to see it as a privilege. I'm not going to run and hide. I'm not going to do all I can to avoid it. I'm going to take responsibility for God's glory. I'm going to see that there's a price that comes with it. There's a price that comes with it. There's going to be resistance that will come. There's going to be battles ahead for me, but I'm going to, I'm not going to be cowed in fear. I'm going to say, God, because you are with me, I need not fear. I set the Lord always before me, therefore I will not fear. That's what David said. I set the the Lord, I see him before me. I set him before me. I'm not going to fear because I'm I'm looking at God. I'm looking at God. Father, I thank you for each one of these men and women who are standing right now. I thank you that they, this morning, are willing to say, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm I'm going to steward what God has given me for his glory. I thank you for each one of them. Lord, I thank you, God, for these precious, precious people. Thank you, Lord, that they are standing with us as elders and saying, I'm going to take responsibility for this church. I'm going to take responsibility for leading and, and encouraging and welcoming and urging people, exhorting people. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take responsibility to nurture community here. I'm going to take responsibility to see this church be all she can be. And in the workplace, I'm going to take responsibility and carry out my duties as if Jesus himself had given them to me. I'm going to honor my bosses even when they're not in the room because Jesus is the one I'm serving. And Lord God, this morning we say that we know that there's going to be a fight coming as we step up in this way. And we pray right now that you will help us to set you before us. Help us to set us before, you before us so that we will not fear. Lord God, you have great plans for this church, Lord. There's some things that even when I consider them, I am uh, tempted to fear. I'm tempted to, be, uh, to, to hide away and put my head back below the trenches. Lord, I say this morning, I am going to stand up in you. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me afresh. And for each one of us here, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd fill us afresh. That we would stand strong in you. Stand strong in you, Lord. That you would strengthen us to be all that you want us to be as your men and women, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And listen, as we're standing here this morning, you might be here and, and you may not be standing or you may be standing because it was just the easiest thing to do, but you may not know Jesus. Let me tell you that Jesus Christ is the one that you need to get to know this morning. You need to give your life to him. You need to give your life to him. He is able to completely transform you. He's able to completely transform you from being fearful like these people of, of Jabesh, fearful and coward. He's able to transform you to stand strong in God. He's able to forgive your sins, deal with your past. He's able to give you a bright future. Let me encourage you to, to take the time to be prayed for this morning. Maybe you're going through battles and you want someone to stand with you and pray with you. Maybe you know that God has given you some things to do and you want to stand up in that and you don't want to be fearful. Take the, take the moment just to, to pray. Let's do business with God. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.